Welcome, welcome world to yet another episode of Manager Damn Money with Ben and and Malcolm. Uh, This is the place where we trade in personal finance advice for entertaining conversations about money and the place where both me and Malcolm are sick. (laughs) Sipping on Ricola. Trying to make sure we're not coughing all into your ears and and into your eyes and things for those watching. Uh, Remember, this is a podcast and a TV show, um, so it might sound like that at times. Uh, Malcolm, how you doing this week, man? How you feeling? I'm good, man. I'm glad to be back. Uh, you kind of touched on it. So for those of you who didn't see my social media boo-hooing, um, the reason we weren't on the air last week is because I lost my voice um, and it was a game time decision. But we are back. Indeed. As Ben just said, happy to be here. Indeed. Um, indeed. And hopefully we got another good show for you guys. Indeed. Um, and we really want to quickly tease some upcoming information for you. Uh, for those who are fans and listen to the show, uh, fo- you got to follow us on our social media handles at mydm1 and at Malcolm on Money, as well as on Facebook, facebook.com backslash manager damn money. We have some exciting news coming that you can only see if you follow us on our social media handle. Um, we're going to be sharing information about that in the coming weeks. Uh, we want to make sure if you listen to this show and you love this show, uh, just f- make sure you're following us so you get the updates when they come. We promise this will be exciting news. Um, also in uh, life fun news, Malcolm, so, uh, there was a rather big engagement that happened within the last couple of days that I'm sure a lot, that everyone on Twitter has been talking about. Thought you were already married. <laughs> now I'm married. Oh, okay. Are you married, Malcolm? So anyway, there was a big engagement. Trying to marry me off. I'm like not a, trying to marry like a foreign parent. Trying to marry me <laughs> off all the time, man. Listen, you try. You tried to do it first, uh, but not my engagement. Not Malcolm's possible something that we. I won't say out loud, but the engagement of Prince Harry and a young lady by the name of Meghan Markle. All of Twitter was going crazy over the weekend. Um, I had not heard of this uh, woman before this, you know, hollabaloo or whatever. whatever. What's the, what's the Probably word? Probably hollabaloo, but you know. Okay, there we go. You're younger than 50, so I get why you don't know that word. <laughs> right. Um, when did you hear about it, Malcolm? So I actually did know who she was. She's on one of my favorite shows, Suits, um, which has been on the oh, air Oh, she's for like, an actress. Yeah. Okay. okay. <clears throat> she's an actress. She's been on Suits for like six, seven years now. Okay. Um, and it just so happens that I knew all about this relationship because I was watching Suits one night with my girlfriend and Mm -hmm. she's like oh that's that girl that's engaged to Prince Harry that one yeah (laughs) Princess Diana's son right so I I did know actually for once about some tabloid drama (laughs) (laughs) that's hilarious um the funny thing is like I had not seen her didn't I had to like actually go and google her name as soon as I like you know, found out or realized this was something I needed to look up. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I saw her, the first thing I thought was, "Ooh, she out the Paula Patton aisle of the oh, grocery Lord. store. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> so anyway, uh, out the Paula Patton aisle for sure. Uh, question for you, Malcolm. It's, it's, it's a little sprinkling of color in the, what do they call the palace? I guess so. I guess the Palace of England. I've been there before, so I shouldn't know what it's actually called. Um, They've never invited me. So They've never know. invited you, right. Um, are they mad? It's, they they are mad. Are they mad? They are mad. <laughs> like I, so here's the thing. I know because this show is about money and money is green. That's the only color we really care about. We don't really get into racial issues too much on this show. 
But this particular situation, it was amazing to me how quickly it turned to race. Really? Like, immediately people started talking about how, oh, well, she's not black because she's biracial. <laughs> and, oh, well, she's not that black because her hair is straight. <laughs> and, and, and it, like, it was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Instead of saying... Oh my goodness! I'm so happy for this girl whose life is about to be changed dra- dramatically. I mean, she's now a princess. She's royalty. Yeah. All of a sudden, everybody's gone to trying to figure out why she doesn't count. You know, it's kind of like <laughs> the whole uh, uh, "Show me your birth certificate" movement when Barack Obama won. Just backwards. Not you know that she's on the same level as the first pl- black president of the United States, but right. in this situation, she's the first non-white person to be part of the royal family presumably right uh which is equally a big deal for for folks but instead of just saying i'm excited for her congratulations you go girl right everybody's like (laughs) trying to find ways to diminish you know her being there and i was like jesus man like let it breathe for two seconds yeah maybe maybe a symptom of people trying to you know be too woke in one way or another rather than just enjoying the news for what it is well shea butter twitter gotta chill (laughs) Indeed, indeed. Uh, we want to remind folks you're listening and watching Manage Your Damn Money with Ben and Malcolm. Uh, on this episode, the t- conversation at hand, hot topics in the news. We just thought it was important to kind of go through some things that are happening right now, up to date, getting updates on my phone just now about something. Uh, speaking of that, it is time for headlines. Uh, Trump's pick for Consumer Watchdog Bureau orders freeze on hiring and rulemaking. This was actually a story that I pulled uh, yesterday. Um, the White House and Consumer Financial Protection Bureau are in a standoff over who will become its acting director, either Leandra English or Mick Mulvaney. And this was from a story uh, from the Washington Post by Renee Marie. Uh, White House Budget Director Mick Mulvaney said he ordered a 30-day hiring freeze and delay of rulemaking and other actions at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau on his first day as boss of the Consumer Watchdog. Um, and whether he remains in charge of this long, uh, remains unclear. A day earlier, the agency's chief of staff, Leandra English, filed suit claiming she is the rightful acting director in the wake of the former director, Richard Caudre's departure. So <clears throat> essentially, uh, she was put in charge by the person who was leaving. Uh, and then the leadership of the agency was thrown into doubt last Friday when Caudry stepped down as the CFPB director and said English would temporarily replace him. A few hours later, uh, President Trump named Mulvaney the office management and budget director and a longtime critic of the CFPB to the job, <laughs> which is ironic. I'm, a criti- I'm getting named to the job of the thing that I criticize. But that is the M.O. for all of the people he's appointed to the various positions or not all but a lot of the people he's appointed to their various positions right have like been outspoken critics of the organization that they're now heading and have even in some cases like scott pruitt sued the organization that they are now epa right which is just like befuddling to me you know (laughs) anyway continue right exactly um so both sides are pointing to the fine print in in dueling federal statutes to claim over authority um and powerful and this is like one of the this is like the biggest bureau that has control over uh bank the banking industry and the english filed suit late sunday asking for a temporary restraining order to prevent trump from appointing mulvaney as acting director uh and then this is this is actually pretty hilarious this is a quote it has come to my attention that miss english has reached out to many of you this morning via email in an attempt to exercise certain duties of the acting director this is unfortunate but in the atmosphere of the day probably not expected 
Please disregard any instruction you receive from Miss English in her presumed capacity as acting director. And uh, Mulvaney also asked CFPB employees to report any additional professional communications from Miss English to the general counsel's office. So what happened was uh, English sent an email to the staff saying, I'm the new person. I think she, she said, happy Thanksgiving, and then signed it acting director right. as so as to imply she was in charge. Um, and then he came behind it and sent it to the very same list and said, hey, I'm in charge, not her. Don't listen to her. Um, so it's like an incredibly absurd <coughs> argument as to who's in charge and... And, and the reason why this is important, Malcolm, I, I think we should give people an explanation. It's the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Right. What is that? It essentially is exactly what it says. It's, a, it's an agency that was developed under the Obama administration post-2008 financial crisis. Right. That was put into place. It was the brainchild of one... Uh, what's the lady's name that Trump just called Pocahontas and a uh, Elizabeth was, Warren? Elizabeth Warren. Right. So it was the brainchild of Elizabeth Warren, who at the time was actually a econ professor, I think, okay. at Harvard. Okay. Um, but she was the one who drafted the legislation to put this bureau in place, which I think is really the reason that the Trump administration is so anti right. doing everything they can to attack it because it's attached to Elizabeth Warren, who's been an outspoken critic of his. Right. But nonetheless, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is basically there to make sure that banks are held accountable for things like predatory lending. Right. I remember when I used to sell cars in uh, North Carolina once upon a time, there was a company, uh, Banco Santander, mm -hmm. that was a lender that basically if you had a social security number and you could breathe hard enough to fall <laughs> on a mirror they would approve you for a loan okay your interest rate was 29.99 percent wow. on the top end okay. which you don't have to be any kind of financial genius to understand that that is literally impossible to, pay to ever pay off that yeah. car because what would eventually happen is if you took out a six-year loan you're going to end up paying more in interest than that car is was actually worth. worth right um so you paid for the car twice over mm -hmm. So anyway, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau was put in place to make sure things like that didn't happen. Um, some of the robocalls and the uh, uh, aggressive uh, collections processes that were put in place um, where folks were calling, threatening to, to, to call your mom or, or threatening to repossess your family's house and all kind of nonsense like that. They put this bureau in place to make sure that the consumers weren't being taken advantage of. At, at, at such alarming rates as they had been allowed to be in the first place. Right. Um, and now all of a sudden we see the administration that's come in after Obama uh, put this in place saying, well, you know what? We don't really need to worry so much about uh, protecting consumers. They, they got it under control. Right, right. And actually, uh, literally, as I was walking into the show, there was an update on this story in terms of who's actually in charge. Um, and the piece was, again, from, uh, I think, the Washington Post. It just says, a federal judge refused to block President Trump's choice for budget director Mick Mulvaney from serving as acting director of the prominent federal consumer watchdog agency on Tuesday, denying a request by Leandra English, the number two official at the Consumer Protection Financial Bureau, to serve as its head. So it seems as if... Uh, but here's why that's super interesting. Go ahead. So Leandra English filed a... Uh, injunction right. to reinstate herself basically as the head of the CFPB. Right. The judge who struck it down and didn't even give it really a moment's thought mm -hmm. 
was installed by President Trump uh, back in December. Man, wow. So it was his very first test of his loyalty right. to the guy that gave him the job. Wow. And he passed with flying colors, apparently. Chickens are coming home to roost here. Because I he see. said to her, she said she read the letter, the, the response on the air. Mm -hmm. um, and basically, she said that he told her in so many words, if you were to file the other two options that you have after this in an appeal, mm -hmm. I'm going to strike them down too. Oh, wow. So don't even waste the paper. Wow. So that tells you just how serious uh, he is about repaying his quote unquote debt to the guy that got him the job. Right. Absolutely. And what's like the biggest like impact this has? Like you essentially have a agency if you assume that the way you, what you just laid out will play out that a critic of the agency will lead it. Mm -hmm. What does the average person have to glean from that and what does it mean for you? Well, uh, it means you have to watch your back even more than you needed to in the first place right. when dealing with these like financial companies. Because, um, like, for example, if you were to uh, get a mortgage from a company right. and then find out years later that that company uh, gave you a higher interest rate because you are disabled mm -hmm. or because you are Hispanic or because right. you are anything else right. other than the basis of your credit score and your, your income, mm -hmm. uh, you would have uh, recourse to be able to sue right. under protections outlined by the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Right. They would even group you together with other people who had been preyed upon by that same lender and allow you to file a class, class action, action lawsuit yep. pretty easily right. at very little cost to you, if any. Right. However... If we were to strip away those protections that were created by the CFPB, right. all of a sudden you've got to face uh, uh, that bank, that lender on your own as right. an individual. Well, who has the money, the time and the other resources to fight against, you know, the six largest banks in the United States, for example, to. Uh, I know who. Nobody. <laughs> so if you just think about it in those terms, like those are things that were, were put in place to allow you to have just some way to, to not continue to be at the, you know, the short end of the stick. Right. Um, and this takes away your ability to fight that battle in the courts uh, the way you normally would. Absolutely. Um, definitely got to watch your back as these political dramas continue to play out. They're having real world and real lives effects on us all. Uh, we want to remind folks quickly that you are listening and watching Manage Your Damn Money with Ben and Malcolm. Um, today's conversation at hand, hot topics in the news. But before we take a quick music break and hear from Mr. Beats by Beeman, the co-producer and co-creator of this show, uh, we want to remind you, you can listen to episodes of Manager Damn Money anytime. Simply search Manager Damn Money on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or I forget what the other one is. Google Play. <laughs> that's that's right. We're everywhere. <laughs> right. We're everywhere. So uh, find us there. And also r remind you, you can find us on our website, managerdamnmoney.com. And also, uh, if you have a question, concern, or interest or topic you want us to cover, simply send us an email, info at managerdamnmoney.com. This is Manager Damn Money with Ben and Malcolm. We will be right back.
Welcome back to Manage Your Damn Money with Ben and Malcolm. Uh, we want to remind people we have some exciting news upcoming, so make sure you catch us on social media at mydm1 and also Malcolm at Malcolm on Money, and also on Facebook, facebook.com backslash Manage Your Damn Money. Uh, and then another thing you can do to stay updated because we do send out updates via email. Just go to our website, managerdamnmoney.com, and in the top right corner, you can subscribe to our email list, and you'll get all the news and updates and information that is forthcoming. Um, so today's conversation at hand, Malcolm. Hot topics in the news. Every now and then, it's important to take stock of what's going on around you, which is why we always try to include news of the day in our conversations about money. In this episode of MYDM, we are exploring hot topics in the news of the world and in personal finances to ensure you're up to date and informed as 2017 comes to a close. Um, so the first thing that we thought was interesting that people should know, particularly those living in New York City, and as you've mentioned on this show before, one out of eight people in the United States lives in New York City, apparently. <laughs> um, or some Well, cra- New York crazy. City, L.A., and D.C. Right. So one of those three places, but so New York City specifically, job applicants have one less thing to worry about. If you're considering searching for a job in the new year, uh, consider this. Women at Forbes had a piece by Georgine Huang, which recapped the news from late October or early November that New York City-based employers are no longer able to ask prospective hires about their salary history. That's incredible. That's like a a small, that's that's actually a pretty big win. Uh, The city council passed the bill back in April and the law went into effect in early November following an executive order signed by Mayor Bill de Blasio last November that banned city agencies from asking for salary histories during their job application process. Uh, New York City becomes the first city in the United States to prohibit employers from inquiring about a job seekers and job applicant salary histories. The very first city. That's crazy. Uh, New York joins a handful of other cities and states, among them California, Massachusetts, Oregon, Delaware, Philadelphia, and San Francisco, across the country that voted to ban employer questions about salary history. New York will be the first municipality to enforce the law. Uh, the new law was introduced by public advocate, Leti- I think you say Letitia James in August 2016, due in part to findings of gen- the gender pay gap analysis conducted that year. As James put it, we want to end discrimination and banning questions about salary history is a critical first step. The New York City law is intended to help, and help, help reduce the differences that women and minorities earn relative to their male and Caucasian counterparts. Um, and according to the U.S. Census Bureau, women earn 80 cents for every dollar that men earn. And in New York, women earn $5.8 billion less than men in wages each year, according to a report by New York City's Public Advocates Office, a disparity that's even greater for people of color with black women just making 55 cents and Hispanic women earning just 45 cents every dollar earned by a white man. So that's incredible. Can I can I stop you right there yeah. real quickly? Go ahead. And point out something that is like a glaring detail for me, mm-hmm. but apparently not big enough to make any difference for anybody else. Okay. You just pointed out that in New York City alone, right, 
$5.8 billion right. gets paid more to one sex right. than the other. Right. Which then means if I am the city of New York, if I can do something to help 50% of my residents get well, paid $5.8 billion more dollars. I can increase my tax revenue. Payroll taxes hey. that have to be paid. Right. That's consumption taxes that have to be paid. Right. It costs $60 or something to go across the bridge to get in and out of New York. <laughs> like now I can afford to take that trip more often. So when you think about it, just again, like I said, money is green. So that's the only race we care about. Mm. If you think about it just in terms of, you know, dollars for dollars. Right. Why wouldn't it be in your best interest in every major city, every state? every locality, right. every municipality to pay equally, to do everything you can to make sure that you're paying equally because you're not going to bring guys pay down right. to meet what you didn't pay the women. Right. You're going to increase the women's pay. Right. Which then means that you've subsequently increased your tax revenue. Indeed. Immediately. I've solved the deficit problem in this in this country <laughs> in like four seconds. <laughs> I, I don't understand the logic. Equal pay is the solution for that. Equal pay means the debt has been brought down from however many trillions of dollars it is right now. Absolutely. Um, but now that this law is in effect in New York City, like, and actually happening, and for those who live in New York City or are considering a move to New York City, this is critical information. Um, do you see other progressive cities? We mentioned, I think California was one of them. Connecticut. Am I making that up? Hold on, let me actually look. Um, I know Boston was on that list. Uh a couple of cities in Massachusetts, Oregon, Delaware, Philadelphia, and San Francisco. Do you see like other places and cities like actually implementing measures like this? I'm actually surprised New York City beat DC to the punch. Okay. Considering DC has had a woman mayor for like, yeah. however many years. Yeah. That should have been anyway. <laughs> um But anyway, I, I do think you'll see it adopted more broadly on the coasts okay. first because that's usually how it happens with quote unquote progressive liberal lefty right. agenda bernie matt what bernie, uh, matt? bernie, Sa bernie sanders, sanders yeah with the bernie sanders agenda it usually right. happens on the coasts first and then all of a sudden everybody has no choice but to fall in line right so i do think you're going to see a ripple effect especially since it happened in new york city mm -hmm. and not some small nowhere town that nobody's ever heard of and won't care about right so if it's good enough for new york well, now, if I'm in San Francisco, for example, mm -hmm. and I want to be competitive as a job market to keep my people from going over there to New York. Right. I've got to put the same protections in place. Right. Because what's to keep the women of D.C., for example, or Philly or South Jersey, all the surrounding territories from just migrating to New York where they right. know that they can get a fairer shot. Right. And in some cases, we're talking about, you know. The wage gap is something like 70 to 80 cents on the dollar, right. women versus that, that's men. That's a lot. So if we're talking about a $100,000 salary, which is very reasonable for New York City, right. we're talking about a difference of twenty dollars to $30,000. Yeah. I would be willing to move for twenty dollars to $30,000 if I was already on the fence about do I want to stay here anyway. Right. So if I'm, you know, Atlanta, D.C., all the places up the East Coast, for example, and I right. want to keep my talent here. Right. I got to fall in line pretty quickly to make sure that I don't lose out. Because like I said, that's payroll taxes you miss out on. Right. That's consumption taxes you miss out on. People are buying gas. They're buying homes and so on and so on and so on. Trickle down economics. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Indeed, indeed. So interesting question. This is a, a hot topic because we've talked about on this show in previous episodes. It's in the employer's interest to figure out how much you made in the past so they can kind of gauge what they want to pay you next mm -hmm. 
um do you see employers in new york and other municipalities that implement things like this figuring out ways to try to get around this kind of statute oh absolutely okay there is somebody whose job it is to figure out the compensation structure for every single company right that person as soon as de blasio got this initiative through uh -huh. went to work figuring out loopholes to make sure that uh we would still be able to get around <laughs> and ask but it, it it at least is a huge step in the right, right direction i mean they're right. going to figure out ways to tack on something additional right. to because think about it this way at the same time the women are celebrating mm -hmm. saying all right great the next time i go to look for a new job at least they can't ask me what i made in my last profession right so now they have to at least offer me close to what their budget is for that job right, right? presumably but then at that company, you're also going to have men right. who are going to say, oh, this is some nonsense. I can't believe they would go through all and force my hand this way and force me to have to deal with women's issues and blah, 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 <laughs> blah, blah, blah. You know, the way America naturally does what America does. <laughs> so then they're going to start offering incentives to appease those guys to make sure that they want to stay at that company. Uh, and it offsets, you know, kind of what your efforts were. But I think somewhere in there, all the shuffling around and the griping and, and mm -hmm. complaining, somewhere in there, it still brings us closer to parity right. than we would have been right. had this law not been put into place right and i mean just from a pra practical perspective why do you need to know what i made at my last job yeah that's that i mean that that's very real i'm worth to you what i'm worth to you right. so think about it in, in 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 this way if you go to buy a car today uh -huh. and it's a used car uh -huh. and i tell you that i'm going to sell you this car for ten thousand uh dollars -huh. would the question you ask me be well What'd you offer to the last person? <laughs> Who cares? That's, that's I'm offering it to you for $10,000. Do you want it or not? Right. So it's the exact same concept. Like, uh, why do you need to know what I made at my last right. job to hire me here to pay me what I'm telling you I want? So, you know. It, <laughs> that's a funny That's a funny analogy. Um, well, yeah, it's definitely a uh, good thing and something that gets us closer. Uh, I am interested to see what the next iteration of the question ends up being mm -hmm. um and how that morphs and changes or if people just end up respecting it for being the law of the land you nah. know we'll, <laughs> look this happened at the very same time that this drama with you know the cfpb is going on i don't know which one's gonna win out uh but anyway we want to remind people you're listening and watching manager damn money with ben and malcolm uh we're gonna take another quick music break here from beats by beeman you can hear his music on instagram simply search beats by beeman b-e-e-m-e-n uh and you can hear all of his music and tracks if you have a question for us or you want to send us a music of your own that we'll play during the show send it to us info at managerdamnmoney.com and if it's good we will play it uh, this is MYDM with Ben and Malcolm. We will be right back.
Welcome back to Manage Your Damn Money with Ben and Malcolm. Today's conversation at hand, simply hot topics in the news. Uh, we're here with Sick One and Sick Two, so if we sound different, <laughs> it's because it is that season and I got got over this weekend. The wife was sick and... That's all right, Will can touch it up. <laughs> Will touch our voices up uh, when you Put hear some auto-tune on my mic, right. Shabbat Um The last uh, story for this show, uh, Hot Topics in the News, for, it's a Forbes headline by Laura Heller, which reads, Shoppers spent $1 million per minute at the peak of Black Friday. Of course, Malcolm, we just had Thanksgiving last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone always gets geared up for the shopping season immediately after the holiday shopping season. Uh, this was a November 25th piece recapping the immediate sales numbers of Black Friday. Uh, there was no need to even leave the house as shoppers enthusiastically clicked to buy in record numbers. Not only did they start early for the weekend, they began clicking at the rate of 2,800 orders per minute, Jeez. spending $1 million per minute at the peak of Black Friday, according to Shopify, an e-commerce platform. Uh, online spending remained high on Fridays as crowds in stores were thinner than the past. Malcolm, did you do any Black Friday shopping this past week? Um, yes and no. Okay. I did Cyber Monday. Okay. Um, but I didn't physically go anywhere or buy anything. I'm part of that group you're talking about who right. just got to clicking. Right, right. Because right. um, <laughs> I don't understand for the life of me why people need to be out on the day after Thanksgiving. Right to get a 72 inch tv <laughs> like i mean jesus um, so, so I'm, we're, i actually have a story about that um but the, the, i'm gonna continue on with the story and wait well that. one second if i can if i can you, go ahead go off on that for two seconds two, two seconds I, I i really don't understand and can't stand the fact that retailers require their employees to come in yeah on Thanksgiving night early at like 12 p.m. 1 p.m. to get set for people to come in at like 6 p.m. after we didn't even eat dinner until after 6 p.m. <laughs> in my house right so why are people like so greedy that they're requiring <laughs> their employees to yeah. be there and miss all of Thanksgiving right. with their families right. just so that you like remember when Black Friday you used to get up at like 5 a.m. maybe 6 a.m. to be at the store to get the thing but and then it became midnight right. on Thanksgiving and then it became 8 p.m. and 9 p.m. Right. and now it's like 6 p.m. doorbusters and man that tv is gonna be there <laughs> like you don't really need me at best buy an extra six hours early to sell two extra tv the people are gonna come when you open the door right so you retailers are the ones <laughs> responsible for people missing the thanksgiving holiday with their families just so that you can sell your tvs faster than everybody else sells theirs even though you're all gonna sell the same tvs anyway <laughs> so like what difference does it really make and you people shopping going out at 6 p.m on thanksgiving stop it you are the problem you are the reason that they're opening the doors earlier and earlier and earlier because you keep showing up trying to save six dollars on a tv <laughs> like who cares 
that coffee maker, that TV, that it's going to be there. All right. Let me enjoy Thanksgiving with my family. Fortunately, I don't work in that retail life anymore, but I remember what it used to be like. It's terrible to miss yeah. the family holiday because I, your boss, who's one year younger than you, is saying if you don't come into work on Thanksgiving, then you're not going to have a job tomorrow. And you're like, man, I need this check. So sorry, mom, put some turkey in a baggie and I got to go. Like, uh, that's just nonsense to me. I, I definitely worked um, a Black Friday shift at Banana Republic once uh, in my younger days. You don't even have to tell me how it was. I know it was terrible. I, I was the first time I ever actually felt jittery drinking too much coffee. Um, but anyway, the yeah, uh, been over here shaking like a leaf. <laughs> like, come on, the, man. The, the strong online performance of Black Friday this season shows that consumers are moving further away from leaving their homes to do holiday shopping, said Taylor Schreiner, uh, director of Adobe Digital Insights, in an email. Uh, mobile in particular has ramped up in a significant way, driving $1.4 billion in online revenue on Black Friday alone. Uh, so you kind of you hinted at this question, Malcolm, about waking up at five in the morning to go the next like day after were you Thanksgiving. Out there? So the funny thing is You're I'm, smiling. I'm, were you I'm, out there? I'm from California. Okay. And I don't know I don't have a memory of Black Friday before I got to college. Okay. Like conceptually speaking, Black Friday in my mind was not a thing. And it's probably because I was a frugal kid growing up. So Black Friday didn't mean anything to me because it meant I had to spend money and I didn't do that. Right. Um so I do not have a memory of Black Friday until my first year in college and i haven't been home for thanksgiving in over a decade and the first one i didn't get to go home for i instead went home to my roommate's family's home mm -hmm. in smithfield virginia uh my roommate was ryan ellis mm -hmm. and them doing black friday and his family was a really big deal and if ryan's listening he's gonna be like man shut up uh, but we Ask went. Ryan what they bought so, other than a TV I, so and a coffee maker. I remember it so distinctly because they lived in Smithfield, Virginia, or the family house was in Smithfield, Virginia, in one of those like really wooded, windy road type places. Mm -hmm. We woke up early in the morning. We went to the, I think it was a Walmart. And it, for me, it was just a sense of like awe that people were out at this hour. Like the parking lot was packed. And so I remember... Waking up that morning, I remember getting in the car. I remember sitting in the parking lot and me just feeling overwhelmed because I don't like crowds either. Um, and, and people get we, trampled. Now, this was years ago. This was like 2000. Remember the Tickle Me Elmo Black Friday? I, I think I vaguely And people do. were like black and blue on the ground getting stomped out for a Tickle Me Elmo? This was 2009. So this was kind of before online was still, there was still like a need to kind of be out. It wasn't like it is now. It's sure. easy to click and buy. We went into the stores. I think we, we maybe hit two or three, if I remember correctly. But I just remember, I don't know that I bought anything. Mm -hmm. And I just remember feeling this sense of like just shock and awe. Like people actually do this. Wow. Oh my gosh. And you know, part of it obviously is a thrill. The next time, I don't know that I really did it ever again that I can remember that was important enough to recall, except for another time several years ago, I was with my girlfriend, now wife, um, and her mom. And there was a Target up the street from their house, mm -hmm. basically, in, like, the, the town my wife grew up in. And she and my, my mother-in-law and her were really pressed to go to Target or whatever it was. It was cold. And I told them, I'm sitting in the car while y'all shop. And I sat in the backseat of the car with a blanket and just laid down and waited for them to come back with a vacuum cleaner 
and a TV that neither things that I she might have needed a vacuum cleaner. Right. Uh, but other than that, whatever they came back with, they didn't need. Uh, and I've always just been like, for for personally, I've always been like, for what? I didn't actually buy anything this uh, Black Friday at all. Like I bought a jacket that mm-hmm. I had been looking at for the last month, and it came in the mail, and I didn't like it, so I'm about to send it back. <laughs> And that's that's the extent of my Black Friday shopping. So Cyber Monday, I did buy a suit. Okay. Online. Well, from, from my favorite uh, dress clothes store. Mm-hmm. However, it was a suit that I've been eyeing since like February or March. Oh, that's a long time. And well, because it's a lot. I don't like spending that much money at one time. Right. And just, <laughs> you know. So I, since February or March, I've convinced myself that I don't need it. Right. And so finally, like, I'm looking at it, and I had uh, a discount code for Cyber Monday, and I have a coupon that they sent me a while ago <laughs> that I've been sitting on. And so I actually was like, nah, like, I'm still not, I'm still not buying it. It ain't enough. And then finally I said, you know what? If I don't like it enough at 40% off, right. I'm never going to buy it. Right. So I decided to go ahead and pull the trigger, and now Six I participated in to 10 months later. Uh, well, that's how long <laughs> it takes to separate me from my coin sometimes, depending <laughs> on what it is you're trying to sell me. That's funny. Um, well, anyway, uh, en- enough of our uh, reminiscing on our own Black Friday memories. Uh, the history of Black Friday specifically is a shopping day for, the com- for a combination of reasons. It's the first day after the last major holiday before Christmas, and it marks the unofficial beginning of the Christmas holiday shopping season. Additionally, many employers give their employees the day off as part of Thanksgiving holiday weekend. And that's from uh, Wikipedia. And then uh, also, we went and looked somewhere else for some information. Historians believe the name started Black Friday. In Philadelphia in the mid-1960s, bus drivers and police officers used quote-unquote Black Friday to describe the heavy traffic that would clog city streets the day after Thanksgiving as shoppers headed to the store. So like describing congestion. And then according to an alternative explanation, Black Friday is a day when retailers finally begin to turn a profit for the year. This one makes a lot a lot of sense. Uh, in accounting terms, operating at a loss, losing money, is called being in the red because accountants traditionally use red ink to show negative amounts or losses. Uh, positive amounts which are profits, were usually shown in black ink, thus being, quote-unquote, in the black, is a good thing because it means stores are operating in the profit and making money. Um, so, so to make that simple, mm-hmm. stores basically are operating at a net loss all the way through the year, right? traditionally, right. until they get to about the end of November. Right. And then everything they make from November until December 31st right. put is what? has them technically at making a profit right so for 11 months out of the year you're operating at a loss and then all of a sudden november rolls around and you finally get into the positive right that's essentially the the term the phrase black friday and why it was so widely right uh, accepted and used and and lauded by retailers indeed indeed um so like you kind of talked about it like we're particularly stingy with our money and it takes you look at something for 10 months before you buy it I took at least a month before I bought something that I'm going to end up returning. Uh, what's the what's the appropriate attitude for people to have as we come into slide into holiday buying, you know, gift giving and 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 buying season with you know food to be purchased, drinks to be had? What's the appropriate attitude to have when it comes to like your own your pockets? So I personally believe there's a, a best time to do everything, mm-hmm. like how you see uh, all the like uh, Twitter posts or whatever about 
the ideal amount of days ahead of time to buy an airline ticket. Right. Uh, or my own personal uh, uh, theory is that the best time to buy a car is when there's snow on the ground. Okay. So, like, there's those kind of things. Mm. I think that the best time to buy these major appliances, these, mm. these uh, consumer goods, is probably during that Black Friday to Christmas stretch. Okay. But I don't think necessarily that it is only on black friday right or only on cyber monday okay i think that if you really paid attention to the numbers you would notice that a lot of times they're giving the stuff away for similar discounts regardless of which day you catch it mm -hmm. um so if i like decided i wanted to buy a new tv and it's june or july right. i would wait all the way until november 25th or whatever thanksgiving is to really look at am i going to buy this new tv right or coffee maker or uh, whatever. Like, I would wait for those larger consumer goods until that particular time. Since I know every year, like clockwork, right. people are going to lose their minds. <laughs> the stores are going to open up three days before Thanksgiving soon. Right. And then I can get that same discount, you know, ahead of time. Um, and even on the back end. And right. So the day after Christmas right. is actually the best time to buy all this stuff. Right. Um, but at that point, you know, you kind of look like the, the tightwad that showed up the day <laughs> after Christmas with the Christmas presents. Right. Um, but depending on, you know, who the gift is for, how far away they are from you. Right. They might not know that you bought it on the 26th versus the first. <laughs> so, you know, hey. Absolutely. Um, it's interesting because I feel like I actually read a story. We were doing some research at home. And to your point about when snow's on the ground, apparently one of the best times to buy a house or to like put an offering on a house is in the winter time when it's cold, particularly like during the holidays, like right around Christmas, they were saying like put an offering on Christmas because mm -hmm. number one, people are feeling generous and number two, people might not care and they just might be happy to be happy to close the deal. Um, but the problem with that is everybody's realtor knows that is the thing. That's true. And so they tell their a good realtor right. will tell their client to wait until the spring to right. put the house on the market right, anyway, right, 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 because right, that's right. when they'll be able to sell it for the most amount of money. Indeed. Indeed. Um, and then you said you were, you did, you texted me this weekend and you asked me to make a call. You were out doing something. Uh, you're telling all the business. I just, I thought it was an interesting story. What if the people at the car dealership are listening to our show? That might be the case. Anyway, so what Ben is telling you guys about. So I was with my girlfriend this weekend looking for a new car on Black Friday. I forgot, actually, that that was, <laughs> that that was Black Friday. Uh -huh. um, so literally the day after uh, Thanksgiving, looking for a car. And um, the deals that... that they were offering that they swore was the best deal you could possibly get. Uh -huh. I had texted Ben and asked him to call me so that I could step away uh, <laughs> to, to take an important phone call in the middle of our negotiation. Um, for those of you who are, are, are writing this down, don't try to steal my negotiation tactics. I'm actually hosting a webinar. No, I'm joking. Um, but yeah, so I, we didn't actually end up getting the car that day. Okay. Um, so I guess technically it's not a Black Friday steal. Right. But to the point I was making before, the deal that they were offering was like from November 24th or something through like the end of the year. Right. So it's not even Black Friday. Technically, just they the just slapped Bla Black Friday on it to get you to come in the door on Friday. <laughs> like, so, you know. Right. Absolutely. Well, that's interesting uh, background on Black Friday. Um, that's it for this show, Malcolm. Excuse me while I <coughs> hack my lungs up. Um, and we, again, want to remind folks, we have some exciting news coming. So make sure you're following us on our social media handles at mydm one at Malcolm on Money. And also on Facebook, facebook.com backslash manage your damn money. Um, and then you can also subscribe to our email list 
just go to our website, managerdamnmoney.com, and in the top right corner, you can subscribe your email to our email list, and you'll get all the updates when news hits. Uh, we want to thank you once again for listening to our show. We really appreciate each and every time you listen, and uh, if you have questions or comments, send it to us at info at managerdamnmoney.com, and also always leave us a review on Apple Podcast in particular. A that good review. Good review with five stars. Uh, that helps our ratings go up and helps us get the show out to more people. Uh, I think that's it, Malcolm. That's all I got. That's all we got. Uh, this is Manager Damn Money with Ben and Malcolm. Until next time, be good with your money. Peace. Peace. Peace.